the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leapson as we head into hour three this Monday, June 27th, 2022. The temper tantrum instinct and the infantilization of society. First, they needed safe spaces and cuddle rooms. Now we all need state troopers and police. First, 13 to 26-year-olds needed to be counseled and given teddy bears when politics did not work out as they assumed and presumed. Now, those coddled and pampered infants turn Capitol buildings and court buildings into, into FADA zones. This is what happens when you short-circuit maturation and live a politics of mendacity and authoritarianism. Work with me a moment. After so many bought into the notion that to support the Republican Party in its positions in an election as opposed to voting for the first woman president, it was the governance of the deplorable. It became a psychological trauma to young adults that they could live in such a country that could do such a thing. Counselors and safe spaces to cope were required. Then, when they realized half the country was actually serious and didn't believe such rot as race and or gender should dictate your thought or that a growing but helpless child should not be slated for death at any point due to any whimsy whatsoever, they realized it was time to get off the couch and put away the stuffed animals and take to the streets and storm police precincts and federal courts and state capitals across the country and target individual elected officials with violence. It's what happens when you short-circuit maturation and live a politics of mendacity and authoritarianism. Not one adult evidently taught any of these children the first rule of politics. Others may disagree with you. And that's why we have a voting system in the first place. The Democratic Party primary is not a general election. And yeah, there might be or might just be some credible thought to A, the notion that humans should be judged by what they do, not their skin color. The notion that a growing child deserves protection, be it dependent on others or not. And see that when you don't get your way, the right response is to reconsider your position or work harder at articulating and reasoning through it rather than taking to tears or tear gas. And heaven forfend possibly being open to changing your mind. Doctors Heather Haying and Brett Weinstein write, it is a fine needle to thread giving children enough space to make their own decisions and mistakes and protecting them from real danger. Our societal pendulum has swung too far to one side to protecting children against all risk and harm, such that many who come of age under this paradigm feel that everything is a threat, that they need safe spaces, that words are violence. By comparison, children with exposure to diverse experiences, physical, psychological, intellectual, they learn what is possible and become more expansive. It is imperative that children experience some discomfort in each of these realms, physical, psychological, intellectual. Absent that, they end up full-grown but confused about what harm actually is. They end up children in the bodies of adults. 
It's an oddly ironic thing that those who preach and make a fetish of diversity are the last in line to support a diverse nation. To them, diversity in politics, policy, morality, or any other measure of thought and reason runs the expanse, range, and wingspan from Bernie Sanders to Hillary Clinton or AOC to Joe Biden. Anything starboard of that is ipso facto and by default illegitimate. But this attitude and approach is itself the result of a poisoned chalice of thought, a politics of mendacity and authoritarianism. I continue to use that word mendacity. It's from the Latin, meaning a lie, an untruth, a falsehood, a fiction. Most children were brought up with a few basic virtues. One of them was to tell the truth. We may not teach George Washington and the cherry tree anymore, but that's only because we still love cherry trees but have been taught to hate George Washington. When you are taught to hate the founder and first president of your country, someone who used to be spoken of as first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen, when you are taught to hate that person, society, or at least this society, becomes rudderless. It cannot control its direction. It may also become anchorless, unable to stand planted on a certain well-understood and stable ground. What George Washington presided over and fought a war to achieve was a ruddered, grounded and anchored polity based on natural right with the attendant embracement and vouchsafing of individual rights. You cannot do that without an appreciation and respect for truth. We put that right up front when we declared our independence and our existence as a separate country and a separate people. We could no longer divorce truth and natural rights and individual rights from one, on, from one another any more than one can divorce the upstairs nature of a staircase from its downstairs nature. You remove hydrogen from oxygen, and I don't care how many things you try to replace it with, you will not get water. Indeed, from the very outset, we base our claim on natural rights and the laws of nature, and from there immediately secure three attendant principles, truth, equality, and liberty, or freedom. So important was all this that the Declaration of Independence was given the status of organic law in the United States, reprinted at the very beginning of Volume 1 of the U.S. Code of Federal Law. So important was this that the Declaration of Independence was given the status of norma docendi, the instructional principle for the law faculty at the newly formed University of Virginia by James Madison to Tom Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson. The father of the Constitution, Madison, gave the father of the university, Jefferson, back his own words as to how to teach lawyers at the newly formed school. I can go on regarding this point, but to refocus the issue, truth is part and parcel of individual rights as well as understanding all of our natural rights. And we've been subjected to a great many untruths. We might even call them lies. I was speaking to two well-raised high school seniors this weekend. They were ladies. And I asked them what they heard of the Supreme Court and abortion. And they both said versions of the fact to them that the court removed the right of women to get an abortion. We discussed what actually happened, and they seemed sufficiently corrected. But to go back a step, how did they come to their initial view that the Supreme Court took away any legalized abortion throughout the country? Someone had to have told them that, or someone had to have written that, or someone had to have spoken that in their eyeshot or earshot. It makes me realize for the millionth time we cannot assume knowledge in a regime of late that is sustained on lies. And many regimes 
at least on the left, are built on lies. Just this morning, Nancy Pelosi sent out a mailer saying the Republican Party is trying to strip women of their reproductive rights. Is it? And are there any other rights at issue? Is it not a regime of lies to say reproductive rights are absolute and trump every other consideration and that Republicans are trying to strip them? Is it not a regime of lies to say there is no life worthy of living or respect so long as one person has veto power over the other? Which brings out another question. All those protesters in California, sorry, rioters, This weekend, including two arrested for attempted murder of a police officer. Do they know they are writing over a nullity? They are rioting over the legal, political and factual equivalent that Mr. Snuffleupagus will not be at the San Diego Zoo this weekend or any weekend. Not one abortion procedure will be constricted or reduced in California as a result of the Supreme Court's actions last week or this or next week or month or year. Or decade. Indeed, here's one report, quote, California abortion clinics are building new facilities closer to transit hubs and training more staff. A package of a dozen abortion rights bills moving through the legislature could expand the number of providers, provide financial assistance to women traveling to California to terminate their pregnancies and legally protect the doctors who treat them. Close quote. Note two things. Far from ending abortion rights in this country, some states, like California, will be expanding them, including with an unnecessary law to protect doctors who are already protected there anyway. Second, same story is true in New York. What may be true is there may be, in a few years, not only expanded abortion rights, but less abortion because new appreciations for life will have been obtained. The law is the greatest of teachers, said Oliver Wendell Holmes, and now that the law of unrestrained termination of a baby's life is no longer universally untouchable, appreciations may set in again. Keep in mind, while Nancy and Elizabeth and Kamala and Hillary tell you about our extremism, they all defended, backed, and supported a law that allows the crushing of a baby's skull or the vacuuming of the contents of that skull after it was partially outside of its mother's body, and then went even further in supporting a man who led the efforts in Illinois, named Barack Obama, to keep legal a procedure where even a fully born child slated for abortion could be left in a comfort room to die so that the right of an effective abortion was secured. This is what the Roe law allowed and taught. This is what Nancy and Elizabeth and Kamala and Hillary defended. Oh, yes, and Barack, too. And that is why they never described the procedure or liked it when we did. They just gave it a anodyne sounding name and called us extremists for violating the rights of people willing to do this or for talking about it. We know of regimes based on lies, based on the deprivation of natural law and inherent rights, based on the fetish of group rights over individual rights. They are regimes we spent long Twilight struggles fighting. They are regimes that imprisoned and killed anyone who disagreed. They are regimes that supported violence against other individuals if it served the party or the state cause. They are regimes that considered some humans dysgenic and unworthy of life or rights to life. They are regimes that engaged in torture as a routine to hunt down other dissidents. They are regimes that turned child against parent. They are regimes described by one of their prisoners, Vaclav Havel, 
who put it this way, quote, because the regime is captive to its own lies, it must falsify everything. It falsifies the past. It falsifies the present. And it falsifies the future. Close quote. They are regimes that have few last redoubts of protection other than goodwill and sense of the American people, the courts and the police. I think we're okay for once in a lifetime on the latter two, courts and the police. It's the goodwill and sense of the American people I worry about. Tantrums are not the right responses to decisions the mature make, but they have become routine. They have become justified. They have become violent, and they have become more and more common, which is to say more and more acceptable. You infantilize people and disrupt the force, both truth and nature, growth and maturation, and that's what you get. And boy, do we got it. Prominent and historic Catholic Church was burned down in West Virginia. My guess is you will only hear of that here. Were it an abortion clinic or the temple of a religious minority, it would be news because deemed horrific. Here it is not news because deemed not horrific. Who are not the dreamers, but who are the deemers? We used to believe little boys and girls should not be given dangerous toys. Were Shakespeare writing today, I think he'd have old Richard yelling, my republic for an adult. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for a really remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized, secured portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, as I say, run by really great people. I know them very well. What can I tell you? You can too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and then refy.com. Or you can give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Phil Boas is a columnist for the Arizona op-ed page and uh, wrote a hell of a piece. Uh, Unfortunately, it came out on Saturday, so I think it'll probably be its least read. But what an interesting thesis. Roe is history. The left is furious. They ought to be contrite. For more than a month, pro-abortion militants have been firebombing and smashing churches and anti-abortion family centers in anticipation of the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe versus Wade, Phil writes. On Friday, they planned a night of rage to scream at conservative justices and to put the anti-abortion right on notice. To our oppressors, if abortions aren't safe, you're not either, Jane's Revenge posted all over D.C. They are the pro-abortion radicals. On Friday, slightly less radical voices in Washington were burning on lower flame. Chuck Schumer, Majority Leader of the Senate. This is one of the darkest days our country has ever seen. Today, the Republican-controlled Supreme Court has achieved the GOP's dark and extreme goal of ripping away women's rights, tweeted Nancy Pelosi. 
Representative Cory Bush, we don't care what a far-right extremist Supreme Court in a crisis of legitimacy says. Your racist, sexist, classist ruling won't stop us from accessing the care we need. The anger was palpable. The persecution felt. But was it justified? Maybe it's time everyone slowed down and looked at Roe for what it was. It was legal malpractice of the highest order that disenfranchised hundreds of millions of Americans by rationalizing that the Constitution had settled the question of abortion. It didn't even mention it. At issue that rightly belonged in state legislatures where citizens could argue for and against the position was commandeered by the Blackman Court and settled. This is not merely a conservative view. Since Roe became law in 1973, a powerful consensus had been building among legal authorities right and left that Roe was constructed not on the breakwater of constitutional logic, but on the sea foam of judicial activism. Here's just a brief example. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, quote, the political process was moving in the early 1970s, not swiftly enough for advocates for quick, complete change, but majoritarian institutions were listening and acting. Rose's heavy-handed judicial intervention was difficult to justify and appears to have provoked, not resolved, the conflict, she said. Close quote. Edward Lazarus, who clerked for Harry Blackman, Quote, as a matter of constitutional interpretation and judicial method, Roe borders on the indefensible. Jeffrey Rosen, legal affairs editor, New Republic. In short, 30 years later, it seems increasingly clear that this pro-choice magazine was correct in 1973 when it criticized Roe on constitutional grounds. Its overturning would be the best thing that could happen to the federal judiciary. Michael Kinsley. L.A. Times opinion editor, quote, although I am pro-choice, I was taught in law school and still believe that Roe versus Wade is a muddle of bad reasoning and an authentic example of judicial overreach. John Hart Ely, Yale, Harvard, Stanford law professor. Roe is nevertheless a very bad decision, not because it will perceptibly weaken the court. It won't. And not because it conflicts with either my idea of progress or what the evidence suggests is societies. It doesn't. It is bad because it is bad constitutional law, or rather because it is not constitutional law and gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be so. On Friday, Joe Biden ignored this consensus and railed against the justices who agreed with it. Make no mistake, he said, this decision is the culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset the balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court. To the contrary, there's a lot of counter evidence. And if you want to delegitimize our institutions and give a wink and a nod to violence, call the people who wrote them and the institutions who brought you them extreme, out of sync, intolerable, and illegitimate. For that's what we're supposed to be attacking. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It is a delight to welcome back to the show one of my great friends and one of the great legislators in Arizona, one of the great political activists. She's my candidate running for your Secretary of State. She is Shauna Bullock. You can follow her on Twitter at Bullock for Arizona, B-O-L-I-C-K, the number four Arizona. You can go to her website, Bullock, F-O-R, Arizona.com, B-O-L-I-C-K. Shauna, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, Seth. It's been a crazy couple of days, as you may know, as a Uh state legislator. Everything from, you know, getting the best universal ESA program on the books to craziness of basically before Sunny Die and having people riding outside the Capitol. I want to talk to you about the education choice in just a moment because there's a lot to it. and You've been on the forefront of that battle for decades. Just let the audience know a little bit about Friday, though. That that was something... Somewhat predictable, I would have thought, uh, in in the times we live in, but not very much covered. Ta- what, what was it like Friday in the state legislature when you guys were under siege? Well, it was mostly the Senate, thankfully. Um, I was actually in my office when I heard the shots. I had no idea what was happening outside. And I was emailing some constituents, you know, just doing your normal constituent service because I answer all my own emails. And I heard the shots go off, so I actually shut my light off um, in my office and walked out to the hallway to find out what was going on outside and, and what the plan was. And we walked out to uh, the lobby where all the glass is facing the Senate, and security asked us to please go into uh, the House um, and be on the floor. So we have live proceedings, as you know, on the floor of the House, and the video cameras typically on from the um, Capitol TV. Mm-hmm. and. Someone started texting me. They're like, are you guys okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I don't know what's going on. And it, it took a little bit to actually find out what was going on. And a few of us took to Twitter to find out exactly what was going on because we weren't hearing back from our counterparts mm-hmm. um, in the Senate. But I was actually listening to the Senate um, pass the ESA. That was what I was doing while I was writing my emails. And, you know, all hell broke loose. And, you know, they had to put double fencing around the Capitol over the weekend and some barbed wire fences because on Friday Friday night was the first night, Saturday night, um, they had uh, protesters back over there taking the fencing down. So some people were arrested as far as I know. Um, Seeing the tear gas lobbed against the Senate, one of the palm trees right in front of the Senate actually caught fire. So it was just a weird scenario. I don't know if you've had a chance to see the video that people have taken on, uh, on the outside. I have seen but some I felt of like that you're video. In a real battle. Yeah. No, I have seen some of it. And, um, you know, it, uh, you, will there be hearings? Will, be there, will, there, will, there, will there be uh, June, what was it, <laughs> June uh, 24 hearings? Day 24. Yeah. You're going you're gonna <laughs> to commence no those? I have no idea what's going to happen. Shauna. It's nice to bring people in who are actually doing wrong outside. I mean, you, you never inflict something like that on on your legislative body. Um, it's just crazy to think that people had tried to breach the Senate. You know, the pictures that you can see of people kicking in the door. Yeah. When, when the vote was going on for the ESA in the Senate, you could actually hear the folks chanting outside all up on the second floor, which was crazy to also really, really incredible. Really incredible because it just doesn't seem to me that – the. Uh, Anyway, we can talk about the abortion thing more uh, later. But I, the point the point is established. I'm glad you guys were all safe. Who did who did the who does the protecting down there? Is that state police? Is that state troopers? Well, we had Capitol Police there okay. as well as DPS. DPS was called for backup starting at five o'clock. Uh, they were in their riot gear. They were very well prepared. I know whenever I left after midnight, um, 
they were just basically walking the grounds, and I made sure to thank each and every one of them That's for good. their their duty uh, while we were in the Capitol finishing, you know, the people's business. So you you were you ended up being safer than uh, Rand Paul was on inauguration day. Okay, good. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shauna, <laughs> let me take. And many I, of our members are armed. You know, many yeah. of our members are armed. So I forgot you know, about that I, I too. Right. <laughs> that changes the dynamic, yeah. too. A bunch of good guys with guns right there. Sean, I have to True. take a quick commercial break, but I um, wanted to get that flavor. When we come back, let's talk about uh, what Arizona did, your leadership on the School Choice Initiative. We're reading that Arizona took the probably strongest, furthest, longest step possible in this country when it comes to uh, expanding school choice. A lot of credit to the, uh, obviously, colleagues of yours, but also your leadership on this issue. Let me take a quick commercial break, have you explain what it is you all did. Shauna Bullock, my candidate for Secretary of State, I hope yours as well. BollockforArizona.com is her website, B-O-L-I-C-K-F-O-R, Arizona.com. I'm Seth, she's Shauna, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, 100% natural. I take it every single day. I love it. I've been doing it for years. It boosts my health, boosts my energy, it boosts my immunity. You take it once a day and you get a full serving of 15 whole vegetables, 16 whole fruits, 100% natural, everything about it, and third-party tested. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. That's balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Shauna Bullock is our guest. She is a state legislator and a candidate for Secretary of State for Arizona, my candidate. I hope yours as well. And uh, they just passed one of the most meaningful and expansive school choice and education reform packages, perhaps in the history of the country. Shauna, talk to us about what you all did on Friday. Thank you, Seth, for having me on. You bet. We blew off the top for educational freedom on Friday for Good. all Arizona school students. So I just have one thing to say. Hey, Governor DeSantis, Arizona is the best state for school choice now, not Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's what you want. You want these states competing that way. You want them pushing each other's envelopes. Okay, good. Go That's on. Right. So we have state well, so we have state choice and competition too. Okay. We Go. certainly do. And he's he's my favorite governor in the country. Sure. You know, it's great to have my fellow Arizonas believe that parents are the best ones to decide who like where their kid actually attends school. As you may know, the the ESA was written back in 2011, and thankfully we passed the universal one on Friday. It's the most expansive ESA anywhere in the country. That means any Arizona school student who would qualify and reside in our state, they can enroll in the program. So if they are able to qualify to be a public school student, uh, they are able to participate. That includes private school students and homeschool students. So I believe we have right under 12,000 students right now in the ESA. We heard the bill in the House Committee on Ways and Means, where I'm the chair, a few weeks ago, and we had, obviously, uh, Red for Red come in, highly opposed to this, and then we had a lot of parents come in testifying in favor of expanding this. And like you, Seth, we understand that you should not relegate a kid to their zip code. They will thrive uh, if given the opportunity. This is a civil rights issue of our time. And I'm happy to be part of uh, what we just did on Friday. Uh, you've been pushing it for years, and this is a great culmination. Talk to the audience, Shauna, just a little bit about 
ESAs and what that means. When they when people have heard all kinds of terminology in school choice, they've heard of vouchers, they've heard of education savings accounts, they've heard of qualified knock on. Talk to us just a little bit about how we designed it here. Sure. The Empowerment Scholarship Account, or an ESA, it allows students to take a major portion of the funding that they have allocated to them to actually pay for, say, online schools, different therapies, private schools. We have so many different types of kids out in Arizona and obviously across the United States. It gives the parents the full ability to design what the curriculum looks like. So, for instance, if we had a student that was really good in math and they had excelled so well in their public school but they couldn't go on anymore, their parent could actually apply to get an ESA to finish out their schooling, and they could apply um, the ESA to, say, Stanford Online and get higher math. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can use those dollars uh, to do basically anything. You want to hire a tutor. So during COVID, several of these families who were pushed out of their local district schools, they started creating micro schools and pods, and they were able to use some of the ESA dollars in order to develop their curriculum, the money went to pay for, say, a tutor or a teacher, and that way they didn't lose out on that education and learning like other students did during that time frame. They, they weren't forced to wear a mask. Uh, they weren't forced to be on Zoom for school, and it was designed by the families themselves, unlike a you know unelected government bureaucrat who sits behind the desk and wants kids to um, all be widgets, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, one of the things you hear as opposition to these kinds of programs uh, from the education cartel, the union leadership, and from teachers who have uh, uh, some of whom, many of whom, who have bought into that line of thinking, they will say this will harm education quality in Arizona or wherever it's tried because students will not be in front of state vetted teachers necessarily the way it was designed. You want to say something about that? I mean, I have kids who attended charter schools, and they said the same thing about charter schools. And my son, back in 2020, graduated from one of the best public high schools at charter school basis, um, and they were saying the same thing about them. You know, Seth, every kid learns differently. Mm-hmm. I, I know I could not have learned online school. I probably would not have even enjoyed sitting in a basis for more than a few years. Probably. I'm, I'm the same way. I think you and I are alike a lot. Yeah. <laughs> On that. At no, least on that. Happy. Yeah, maybe other things too, but at least on that. Okay. I'm very happy that my parents didn't say, you're going to base. I mean, my parents tried to force me to go to Catholic school, and I said, I'm not wearing the uniform. So yeah. I stayed in a district school where I thrived. I had over a 3.5 GPA. I did all sorts of great stuff, everything from editor of my newspaper, yearbook, and, and captain of the tennis team. And I think I ended up pretty well. So these teachers that go out there and say these things, they're just worried that they're going to lose students. Well, I can tell you one of our old neighborhood schools, Mercury Mine and Shea Middle School, whenever the basis and great hearts popped up, they lost a lot of kids, and they decided to start changing their curriculum hmm. based on what the parents wanted. Huh. Go figure. We're actually going to take some parent input finally. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Well, um, Shauna, when does this go to effect? Does this start uh, with the upcoming school year, uh, hopefully in uh, August, September, or does it take a – is there a little lag time? There's a little lag time – um, as you know, we finally died on Friday. Right. If you go to if you go to the Department of Education's website for empowerment scholarship accounts, yeah, they actually already have a little notice on there of what they're going to start doing. Oh, perfect. I can just tell people to just pay attention to the Arizona Department of Education's website, perfect. Uh, specifically the empowerment scholarship accounts program page, because on that page right now, it lets people know 
uh, that we did pass universal ESAs, and it's pending action, obviously, by the governor. But they say, please check back as, as they'll keep updating uh, what exactly is happening on their end. We did give them money to make sure that they could fully implement the program, so there shouldn't be any pushback from the Department of Education in that regard. Uh, but hopefully parents can start applying soon. Shauna Bullock, this is a great victory uh, for Arizona children. You were a leader on it. I wanted to thank you. I wanted to get your voice out there on it. Uh, people want to learn more about it. Go to the Department of Education's website here in the state of Arizona. People want to learn more about Shauna and hopefully help her out. Go to her website, BullockForArizona.com, B-O-L-I-C-K-F-O-R-Arizona.com. Shauna, Godspeed. Always good catching up, and I'm glad you're safe. And I'm glad you're back on the campaign trail now that uh, the legislative work is over. Thank you, Seth, for having me on. You bet. I like you busy, Shauna. That's that's my point. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Be good. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. I was just thinking after uh, the Shauna Bullock interview that uh, we in the education reform movement – been at this a long time. It must have been 1986 when William Bennett, then U.S. Secretary of Education, gave a speech on the three C's of education, the three C's critical to education reform. Content, what's being taught, character, character of the schools, and the development of the character of children, and choice. Choice was one of those C's. One of the interesting things about choice that uh, Shauna was saying and giving voice to is that with parental frustration in certain public schools, maybe a lot of them, but when there's a parental frustration about a public school, um, the students aren't learning enough, they're learning the wrong things, the teachers aren't good, you name it. The problem is there were no incentives for those schools to change. In other words, there was no accountability. Now there is. Now there is. You can change or you can close. That's, that's, that's what's hopefully going to happen here. That's hopefully what we're doing with, it, with expanding educational choice in Arizona, making it a demand issue based on the consumer, based on the citizen, and not a supply issue based on what union chieftains and union leadership wants because their interest is not – the children. Their interest is theirs. Most famous education union official in all of history, he put it well when he said, as soon as children start paying union dues, then they'll be my concern. Albert Schenker, United Federation of Teachers. They're not, but you, the taxpayer, are, and so are the parents. You're paying the dues for your children's education. You should have a say, and now you do, because of the work of people like Shauna, Bill Bennett, others laboring in these fields for years. Now you have that. Thank God. Thank God. It's but one of many steps we are doing to course correct in this country. I'm Seth Liebson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.